0: So here's the thing. I'm never going to fault a fan base for getting mad and upset and blaming a coach or a manager or whatever for things that aren't going right with the team because I think all these guys understand. To quote Joe Woods last year, "Oh, Joe Woods, what what memories we have with him." Uh, it comes with the job. They I, I, anybody who gets into coaching understands that they're going to get a, the brunt of the blame when things aren't going right. So. Listen, if you're a fan of this team, and I'm talking about the Guardians, you have every right to be upset with Tito for some of the in-game decision-making, whether it's pinch-running Miles Straw for the what everyone was sharing off of uh, Baseball Savant was circulating on social media for the fourth-fastest— basically, pinch-running the third-fastest player for the fourth-fastest player. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I get it. And then continuing or proceeding to let that player who isn't a very good hitter also go up to the plate and get in at bat when you have a guy like Josh Bell waiting on the bench who, in fairness, hasn't been great either, and maybe he was getting a day off, but wouldn't you rather add his bat there than Miles Straw? I get it. I 100% get it. I understand where these frustrations come from. And, again, it is within your right as a fan to project and be upset and blame Tito. I just don't understand fully why it all falls on Tito and why some people think that the solution is getting rid of Tito solves everything. I don't think that's the the majority of people. I think it is a vocal minority. But... I've seen it on social media, people getting more and more concerned with Terry Francona and the decision-making and just not really vibing with some of the things that are happening with this roster and some of the strings that he's pulling. I've said this before, and we will get to here in this first hour, some of the audio from Zach Misel's visit with Ken and Lyman this morning. I thought it was a really great interview. Tends to be when Zach Misel is on. He's great and he is always very measured in the way that he discusses the team, uh the way he discusses their flaws and he has very thoughtful responses to things which I can appreciate. And he said the same thing I've been saying, which is when you're playing a lot of close games, when you're losing more than when you're winning and you're kind of teetering around 500 trying to win this division that we know yes, the division's not good and it seems like it shouldn't ta- it shouldn't be that hard to Find yourself in first place in this division. I understand all of that. I understand where everybody's coming from when they're frustrated with this team and the way they performed this year, especially coming off of last year, where you thought they were going to make a leap, and they did, flat out. Okay. I'm not blaming you for being frustrated. But, and we had a similar conversation when it came to the Cavs and J.B. Pickerstaff where we were asking ourselves in the playoffs, like, why isn't he playing this guy? Why isn't he playing that guy? And you kind of had to recoil a little bit and realize, yeah, even if you played Lamar Stevens in game two instead of game five, were the Cavs really going to win that series? Was that that going to make the difference in them winning that series? Probably not. And it's why I said, listen, I understand why people were concerned with the way J.B. Bickerstaff coached in that series, but I do think that there's a bigger problem in the way the roster was constructed than with J.B. Pickerstaff as a coach and so for that reason I said I was willing to see him stick it out one more year I kind of felt a little bit uh, I didn't take that back but I also once I saw these coaches that got fired and you had like Monty Williams out there on the market I was like man maybe I want to walk that back a little bit because man I would take a coach like that any day But I understand why the organization's bringing J.B. Bickerstaff back for that reason, and the reason this relates to Terry Francona is that, again, I think the team around him that he has to work with is flawed, flat out. There are, he is deploying players and trying some things out and trying to pull the the right strings, if you will, to get this team over the hump and get them atop the division and get them into the playoffs. We've never questioned Terry Francona's ability to do that until it feels like now. I understand there's been complaints over the years about him, his willingness to bunt too much and some of these other ancillary things, but this is the first year I feel like people are really questioning whether or not he's the right man for the job, and I find it baffling. If he was pulling a Tony Larusa from last year where he's falling asleep in the dugout and he's dozing off and just making decisions that go against the grain on anything you would ever see in baseball, like intentionally walking a guy to get to a a power hitter, load the bases to then face a power hitter who then promptly deposits one over the wall and you end up losing the game because of that. And then you try to defend it after the game. Like, if he just seemed like he was losing it and it was time for Tito to really think about retiring, sure, I get it. But we are what? How many months ago was uh, October? Like, seven or eight months ago? Uh, more than seven. Eight or nine months ago. We are about not eight to nine months removed from Terry Francona somehow... Maneuvering a young roster with the 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 Guardians had the most moves of prospects up and down from the minors to the majors last year of any team in baseball, and he somehow managed that team into the playoffs, got him out of the first round, and pushed the the Yankees to the brink of elimination. And somehow, eight to nine months later, there's people who are sitting here saying Tito's lost it. He's lost a step. He doesn't know what he's doing. I just don't buy that. I think that these decisions are being magnified because of the position that the team is in. I think that they're being magnified by the fact that they're playing a lot of very close games and losing those games. I think that in a season that you're teetering around 500 and you're frustrated because you thought they're going to take the next step after last year, and the division is still within reach, and you're anxious because you don't understand why heading into July, they're still behind the Twins in the standings. Everyone's just hanging on every single decision, especially every single wrong decision. And I here to tell you, man, like these managers, they coach 162 games every year for however many years that they are in these roles. It's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. Like they make mistakes. Name a manager in baseball that you think is better than Tito. And I guarantee you, if you sat down and watched every single one of their games, you would see that same manager making similar mistakes or still or not making every perfect decision every single time. I guarantee it. And in the same process of trying to find a manager that's better than Tito, good luck because I don't think there's many. I really don't. So I don't know, other than feeling obviously frustrated with the way that the season is gone, where some of this animosity towards Tito has come from. I understand why after a loss like yesterday, you're looking at the the final score and you're looking at the nitty-gritty details of the game and how it played out, and you wake up Monday morning and you're ready to just rip into Tito because he pinch hit Miles Straw, or pinch ran Miles Straw for Tyler Freeman, and it didn't really make sense to you at the time. But I, I think normally, like if they win that game, are you really nitpicking that? Probably not. You might bring it up in passing, but you're not nitpicking it as much as you are. I just can't bring myself to do it. Again, if he was showing a, obvious signs that he's deteriorating he's lost a step, he's just botching the management of the game on a consistent basis, and the Guardians are just suffering the consequences because of it, then yeah, sure, I I I hear you, and I'm willing to to meet you there. But I'm not just throwing Tito under the bus for nothing as a guy who's proven in this league that he's one of the best in the business. I'm a, I'm a, you could call me a, a Terry Francona apologist. I probably am being a Red Sox fan. I got a soft spot in my heart for Tito, man. I do. And you guys got a good one here and him managing this team. I don't, what's your, what's your solution? What's your solution? If you fire Tito, who are you bringing in that's better than Terry Francona right now? You got to ask yourself that too, because the grass isn't necessarily always greener on the other side. And again, I just go back to is it Tito and he's mismanaging the roster or is it that he's got a lot of young guys, unknown parts, who are still finding their footing in baseball and he's trying some things. Being a 162-game grind, you don't you think, doesn't it, don't you ever realize that like sometimes these managers are trying things because they might happen later in the season? I'm not saying that's what happened with... This whole debacle yes, yesterday with Tyler Freeman and Miles Straw. I'm just saying they try different lineups. They try different guys pinch running and pinch hitting and, and different things like that because sometimes those guys are going to have that situation play out in a playoff game or whatever. It is trial and error. And when you have a young group that's still kind of learning and still developing and still figuring out their identities in this at this level, sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to realize guys do have it or don't have it. And I think that's what they're going through right now. I've kind of said, last year, the Guardians were ahead of schedule. This year, we're kind of seeing what we thought last year was going to be. Which was a lot of prospects, trial and error. A lot of these young guys getting reps and kind of figuring out who should be part of this rebuild and who should be, or this reload and who should be you know, traded or whatever. What pieces are here to stay and which ones aren't. And I think now that they've kind of taken a step back, we're sort of starting to figure that out more. And there's lots of questions that they have to answer. But I think this is an imperfect roster that Tito is managing the best he can. You know there's some pieces that are here. We know there's others that maybe won't be here in, the, in a month, let alone next season. But I, I am not here for the Tito slander at this point. And again, it comes to the territory. There's going to be nights where you're going to criticize Tito, myself included. But I just can't do it to the point where I'm I'm so up in arms that I'm ready to move on from him. I don't understand where some of that is coming from. And it is a vocal minority. I don't think it's anybody that necessarily calls into the station all the time or really ever that are clamoring for his job. I'm just trying to put an end to it because I don't understand. But considering that the roster is where it is, have you lost faith at all in this organization's ability to construct the roster and tab the prospects and the guys that should be here long-term? Because – Got a lot of people asking questions about Nolan Jones and obviously uh, Owen Miller, who came back to bite the Guardians yesterday, and and others. I saw people questioning the Miles Straw trade the other day. Do you still trust him? We get to your calls on Tito and the Guardians next. It's Spencer German with you here on a Monday, filling in for Jonathan on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin.
1: One run game that you just notice things more. And I think if they're spreading out victories or they're getting blown out, it's like, okay, are we really going to pull our hair out about Miles Straw running for Tyler Freeman? Probably not. But because they've played so many one room games, it does feel... And I don't know if this is, if it should, but it does probably feel to many fans like this one decision could have, could have swung the game the other way. You know, I think yesterday the point was, and Tito had sort of hinted at this a couple days ago, but it was one of those where you probably had to be in the room and it was difficult to sort of convey to the audience, but they are urging Miles Straw to be more aggressive on the bases. They want to see him steal more. He hasn't stolen the base in five weeks. And so I really think a lot of times there are tests, there are experiments, there are trials that they're running because this is a young team still, and they need to learn what guys can handle and what they can't. I think yesterday was, Miles Straw go to first base. Your job is to steal second. He thought he had done it, and then they called interference, and then the second time he tried, he got thrown out. But that's that's one of those where it's like... <sighs> I understand like, the, the average fan is probably like, I don't care about that. Tyler Freeman was hitting well, and he would have been up at the plate with the game on the line in the 10th inning. So I understand that sentiment, but I just feel like those little things are just popping up more and more this year. It's because they play so many close games, it, I think it's just more of a talking point.
0: So well said by Zach Meisel. And like I said, all as always, Zach, so measured, so well spoken on all things Guardians. And I think he summed up what I said in the first segment, very well there. Like, It's just the circumstances of how these games are playing out and how things are going that have people hitting the panic button. And I don't think it's most people calling for Tito's job, but it's definitely people calling him out and starting to wonder if he still got it. I, I, I don't question that. I think that these, uh, these decisions are being magnified this year for a lot of reasons, but I'm not sitting here questioning his ability to manage this team and manage the base- baseball games night in and night out. It's ludicrous to me to think that it's it's time at, at the end of the year, or otherwise, to move on from Tito. I think there are bigger problems with this team than that, and that leads into kind of where I want the conversation to go next, which is if if we're on agreement that Tito is basically going to the plate with a broken bat and trying to swing his way out of it and is to use a baseball, I guess metaphor and to describe how he's, what he's kind of got at his disposal on the roster. And that doesn't go for everybody. We know how good Jose is. We know Josh Naylor has been phenomenal, especially of late. His pitching staff, generally very good. He's got some young arms that he gets to sort of nurture from here. Um, So no, it's not everybody. There's, there's some good, very, very good elements of the roster at this moment, but there's also some pieces that aren't working out and that they've missed on. And maybe some trades that you are questioning at this point, too. When you see what Nolan Jones is doing and you see what Owen Miller did against you the other day, I get all that. So, do you still have faith in this front office to navigate the waters with this team and get through this year and emerge on the other side with a competitive playoff, maybe World Series contending team? 216 474 0092. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Spencito underscore. It is Spencer German filling in for JP tonight on the fan. I can assure you, JP will be back. Back to his normal spot here, his his home away from home on overtime with Jonathan Peterlin tomorrow night. He was away for the weekend at his brother-in-law's bachelor party, and I don't blame him for taking a little bit of a recovery day here on Monday. Smart move veteran, savvy, smart dad move by JP to take a recovery day. After a weekend away at a bachelor party. If you're looking for a way to manage yourself in life, JP has the solution for you. He He's, he's wise beyond his years with that move. Very impressive by him. Um, but he will be back tomorrow, as I said. Let's go to Nelson, who wants to chime in on Terry Francona and the Guardians. Nelson, what's up, man? Thanks for being first on tonight.
2: Oh, thanks, Spencer. I appreciate it. You know, you can't continue to come with a gunfight with a knife every night, right? Um, and and I feel like it's a good way to put roster, it.
0: That you know what? I, yeah. that, that's the analogy I was looking for, Nelson. Way to go, man! I you, I didn't have it, but you finished it for me. Way to go!
2: Yeah, I mean the roster as constructed, right, gives you very little opportunity to score runs because team does not hit home runs. I mean the the yeah. statistics don't lie, right? You have probably, what, the least amount of home runs in the entire MLB. And as a manager, what are you supposed to do, right? You're, you have to rely on what you have, which is speed and aggressiveness to try to manufacture runs. And that, unfortunately, doesn't work out every night. And, listen, Tito's not perfect. No manager is perfect. But I do believe that he is the best manager, this franchise, and and one could argue all the franchises in this town have had uh, through the years, and you'd be crazy to think that you can move away from this guy and find someone that's going to do a better job with what he's being given, and listen, I know this front office has done a fantastic job, but you just alluded to, right, the players that we've seen that have not been developed and now producing for other ball clubs, particularly offensively, leaves a lot to be desired. So the front office, as great as they have done, they deserve some criticism here. And I I think this division, because it is as weak as it is, uh, gives us the opportunity. And I believe on some of the cuts, one of the, I think one of the front office folks said, oh, we're in this division. We still have a chance. So it's, I think it's disappointing that that we still have that mentality and that we haven't put together a ball club that's competing. So those yeah. that, those are my points. man. Thanks for the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely no Nelson. Well said by you man. I think that's awesome that those are all some very good points and that the analogy he let off with, you can't go into a gunfight with a knife. Like I think Tito's short-handed here. And I, and I don't think that's like bad to say in terms of calling out the organization because how many times do people call to the station and say they need to spend more money, they need to go get somebody, they need to go do this, they need to go do that. Like, you guys know this. Generally, this philosophy has worked. Generally, they can always kind of just nurture the next group of young guys and get them progressing and it all kind of clicks at the right time and they kind of figure it out and they're rarely stripping it down to the studs they can kind of just manage the storm and get themselves back to being competitive relatively quickly. That's been the Guardian's way forever. But I, I don't think it's it's crazy to look around and be like, have they maybe missed on some of these moves? I mean, at the very least, if you want to question the front office, which I think is fair, they missed on their free agent signings this season, or this offseason, because it only took Mike Zanino about a month and a half to end up not even on the roster anymore and DFA'd because he wasn't getting it done. And much to the excitement of fans, they finally made the move to call Bo Naylor in his place. And yeah, he's here's the thing. All of us would agree, especially with the way the season's gone, I'd rather see Bo Naylor struggle at the plate for two and a half months then Mike Zanino, who was on a one year deal and isn't going to be here beyond this year anyway, probably. Because at least with Bone Naylor, you know there's a future there. You the organization and many of us believe he is the catcher of the future, here to be around for a very, very long time. So yeah, like at the very least, they missed on the moves they made this offseason. Cause Zanino's not here anymore. Josh Bell, even though he's got had an uptick of late, still struggling at the plate. Based on what you thought you were going to get from him, he's giving you seven home runs to this point. Is that what you thought you were getting midway through, nearly midway through the season? Batting 230, slugging percentage of 379. I mean, not really. When you were talking about adding power with Jose Ramirez to pair together, you thought Josh Bell was going to be it. I'm going to be honest, too, guys, with Josh Bell. I never actually said this on the air. And I regret not doing it. So now I'm just going to sound like a hack who is saying like, "Why? Well, you know, I I I knew this was going to happen, even though I never actually said it. So I promise you, I'm not trying to come off that way. I I I did think after the signing, I liked it. I thought, okay, they're going to get some power, great. But I, I did kind of think back to last year, and Josh Bell was bad with the Padres last year. Like, really bad. He batted 192 and just was not really a factor, which is why they probably didn't resign him after they made that trade for him as part of the Juan Soto deal. Now, we had a good start to the year with Washington, and then it all went downhill with San Diego. And I kind of wondered, like, is this the power bat you want? Like, yeah, if you get, if you get Washington, Josh Bell, great. But if you get Padres, Josh Bell... And I kind of worried that, that was, this was going to be the case. Like maybe there'd be some carryover from last year. And clearly that's kind of been the case. 230 with seven home runs. He's only had, he only has four more home runs than he had in 53 games with the Padres last year. And he's only played 13, sorry, 16 more games at this point. It's not great. So, listen, if you have questions about the front office right now, I get it because the guys they brought in to sure up the roster this year, the veterans they brought in, haven't really panned out. And they're banking on a lot of young guys right now, and some of the young guys that they've moved on from in the process are raking elsewhere. Let's go to Jeff up next in the fan. What's up, Jeff?
3: Hey, how we doing tonight? Good, good. How are you? Good. Just a little frustrated. I was at the, uh, the Houston game where – Mike Zanino um, put every major league catcher in, like, the rarest air. He was, like, the worst catcher I've ever seen in the history of the game. It was bad. (laughs) He just threw the ball in the center field uh, two times. I remember this game, yes. Yeah, he struck out twice, and there was a runner on first and second. And instead of just striking out, no, he hits into the double play. And it was like, are you kidding me? But my big thing is hitting coach because whenever our our prospects and guys move on to other teams, they're hitting for other teams, but they don't hit for us. It's just very frustrating. Um, On top of that, the cheap moves have got to stop. They gave up Harold Ramirez, who's hitting 282, to Chicago Cubs for cash. You know, I don't know if, you know, the Dolans need an extra bathroom on the house, but, you know, hey, I'm sick of shopping at big lots for free agents while everybody else is at Macy's.
0: (laughs) I love that analogy. We're getting a couple good analogies tonight. I appreciate the call, Jeff. That's good stuff, man. We got to let you go because we're up against a break, but thank you. Um I think that's a great analogy. Shopping at Big Lots when the rest of the league is shopping at Macy's. Is Macy's really like a higher end store? Maybe maybe like Saks Fifth Avenue is a better or uh, Nordstrom. Not Nordstrom Rack, Nordstrom. Or Brooks Brothers. Maybe that's maybe the the way you want to go with that. I don't know. But the point still stands that yeah, they've missed big time on a lot of these free agents and it has to it kind of goes back to their unwillingness to spend big money in free agency and shop in the bargain bin. Which, listen, if it works, it's great. I, the Red Sox have done that the last couple of years, and in some instances it's worked out, in others it hasn't. And on the years it doesn't work out, you, it's glaring what the issues are. But you have a window here with Jose Ramirez's contract that you got to take advantage of. And if you're not, if you're just going to wait for these prospects to develop, fine, but you're wasting precious time. 216, four, four, Nine Two. You still trust this front office after some of the decisions they've made of late within the last calendar year, with prospects being traded and all these different things haven't worked out, or maybe the guys they've moved on from were working out elsewhere. And do you think maybe Tito's hands are a little bit tied? We got Greg Swartz of Bleach Report joining us at eight. Before we get to him, did uh Donovan Mitchell mend some fences this weekend with the fan base? We'll talk about that coming up. And much, much more throughout the night here on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Welcome, welcome back, welcome back in, welcome back in on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin again. Spencer German filling in for JP. He's back tomorrow but I'm happy to be here with you for the next four eh, four hours and 20 minutes is about where we're at now, left in the show. Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report, will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll pivot, start talking a little bit of Cavs, which I do have a Cavs question to get to in this segment. Um, but we started talking Guardians, and I'm just... Listen, I, basically I'm trying to say keep Tito's name out your mouth. That, that's where I'm at with it, because... I understand there's going to be criticisms. You're within your rights to do that as fans, but I don't think Tito's the problem here. When Tito's the problem, you'll know. Because it'll look like Tony La last year, if he even coaches long enough to get to that point where he's just literally a mindless man trying to make decisions out of the dugout while he's dozing off. Just, Just wild. But I don't think Tito will even let himself get to that point. So... I think there's bigger problems with this team right now, and I think it starts with just their lack of spending, and we know that's how they kind of operate, so fine. But it, this year, where you thought they were going to take a massive step after the a lot of the young pieces on this roster performed at a high level last year and got you into the playoffs and on the break of advancing to the ALCS... You tried to fix the holes and add to it and you missed on the guys you signed flat out. Like there's no other way to There's we're not beating around the bush here. They missed on Zanino and to this point Bell has been a a failure as well. They they didn't make the right decisions when it came to these signings. I get it, you take a chance. These are veterans who aren't going to like light the world on fire anyway, but you dropped the ball here, and I get why people are looking around now, wondering, "Well, what if we had Nolan Jones? Did we let the wrong prospect go?" Owen Miller just spurned us on Sunday with two hits and two RBI. And what are we doing? Do do we do you still have faith that this front office is going to get this team going in the right direction, given some of the decisions that have already been made? six, four seven four, double ninety two. Let's go back to the phones. We got Rob in Cleveland. What's up, Rob?
4: Hey, Spencer. Great show, buddy. Appreciate thank you talking you. baseball. Um, listen, man. You, you know what, Rob? Real, qu- or- hey,
0: real quick, I was yeah. just going to say yeah. I, I feel like I need to save just that part of the call because we get a ton of people who are like, <laughs> oh, they don't talk baseball on this station. I want people to know that people rec- others are recognizing that we do talk baseball. So thank you for that.
4: <laughs> no problem, man. No, you were dogging yourself a few minutes ago about, like, knowing what was going to happen with Josh Bell, but you made a really tremendous point, and it, it goes along with what I wanted to share, and that's that, you know, I can only put, like, 10% of the blame on Terry Francona. You know, managers have dozens of decisions to make. You can question a pinch hitter or a pinch runner. Maybe question uh, Rosario batting second for as long as he has and slumping, but now he's bounced back pretty strong. But Yeah. To me, it starts up top with ownership, and then, um, you know, Shapiro and Antonetti, uh, excuse me, Chernoff and Antonetti, um, the blame is really on them. And and you said earlier about Josh Bell, like, this was very predictable. They gave a guy a big contract to hit 189 in the second half last year, and then they also gave a contract to a catcher who 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 came up a 157 season and who's been in the bottom 25% defensively for, for the last uh, five seasons. Yeah. It, it, it goes on and on. You mentioned Owen Miller. You mentioned Nolan Jones. How about Will Benson? I mean, the guy's playing on mm. the hottest team in the National League right now, who, who's making us look very jealous, by the way, the Reds, with a very similar payroll. They're a lot more fun. And Will Benson's playing four days a week for them. Yeah, Luke I Luke mean, Bailey. Ellie he did, Ellie. Go and catch her. Yeah. He's playing great, you know? What? I mean, these moves that Chernoff has made, they have a very thin margin for error with their payroll, Spencer, and the moves that they've made have all been extremely poor. Yeah,
0: and and, and to be fair, Rob, like, if we're going to give Tito the benefit of the doubt because, listen, managers make mistakes and, it, it you know, it happens on a nightly basis and you just got to kind of deal with it, but we agree Tito is one of the best, I can still feel like, you know, Mike Chernoff and Chris Antonetti know what they're doing because they've given us years and years' worth of success where I'm like, okay, yeah, like I know these guys know what they're doing. But recently, it feels like they've certainly had a, 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 a load of misses that they don't usually have. And that's kind of the, the that's concern. That's
4: a great point. That's a great point because I don't want to judge those guys and dog them because over the course of time, they've always had to work with a thin budget due to mm-hmm. the ownership. Right. And they've made some amazing moves. I mean, we've, we've got a tremendous pitching organization – and we've made some great, really witty trades but but the last year they have to be accountable for making poor moves. And I think that they're getting too much leeway. If we were in the AL East, we'd be seventeen games out of first place right now. And if we were in the AL West, we'd be ten and a half games out. Yeah. yeah. And these guys kind of you you heard that interview, that comfortable tone was sure not. oh we're we're playing good and we're in it. Like that's not right. They shouldn't have that that mentality. They should be a little bit more hungry at.
0: I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, Rob, and this is a great way to sort of put the bow on this conversation. If you're gonna project frustration at Tito for the pinch running yesterday, which listen, I think most of us agree was kind of a silly, weird move that that was uncharacteristic, right? But if you're gonna criticize him for that, I just think, or for us any of these moves, I think that the frustration is being directed at the wrong person. I don't think this is Tito. And I'm not trying to call for anybody to be fired, whether it's Tito, Antonetti, Chernoff, any of them. I think they all know what they're doing, and they we have evidence of that. But if you're trying to show be frustrated at anybody, I think the frustration lies more with the front office than it does with Tito, just given what more. he's been given this year. agree
4: more. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, yeah, I'm they, glad.
0: They, I'm... Go ahead. Go ahead. T-
4: no, take care, Spence. I appreciate it. Oh, okay. It. Yeah.
0: Appreciate you, Rob, man. Good stuff, as always. Thanks for calling in. You can call in any time, honestly, because... As long as you're going to praise me for talking baseball, I will gladly take your call. Sometimes you got to switch it up. Summer, talking a little baseball, it's a hot topic right now given the decision-making from yesterday. But I do think that's a good place to leave the conversation because, again, I am not calling for anybody to be fired. I'm not there. I know there's some people out there who are calling for Tito's job, which baffles me. All I'm saying is... I think it's being directed at the wrong person. If you want to be mad at Tito for some of the decision-making, fine. Be mad at him. But just like when you get mad at your wife sometimes or your significant other, you go to bed, and in the morning, hopefully you can wake up and you guys can get back on good terms and say you're sorry and forgive each other. Like, be mad at him that day and then move on because I think that this front office has made more blunders of late in the roster construction than Tito has in managing it and that's just facts to me. Zanino's a big miss. Bell's been a big miss. Some of the trades you're seeing, and and I'll say this too, like the trades that they've made with Nolan Jones and Owen Miller, like right now they look bad. We're talking about one-year sample size. Obviously, you don't really know the full picture on how good or bad a trade was until years down the line when this person's career plays out. But right now, sitting here today, I understand why people are questioning and, and looking around like, what were we doing with this guy? But yeah, I mean, Zanino was brought in because he was supposed to be a better hitting catcher. Well, he he was worse defensively, as we know. And he didn't really give you much offensively either. So what was the point of that? Bell's been bad. The only thing I will say, Rob brought up a Mav Rosario in the first instance of batting him second. Um, Something I questioned for a while as well. But it's paid off to the point where now, and we talked about out with this without Pulowski on Friday night, I think that there's going to be an opportunity to move him at the deadline because of how well he's playing. And that's maybe the best part about the fact that they were so patient with keeping him at two. Because now that he's swinging a little bit of a hotter stick, somebody will trade for his services. I'm not saying you're getting some haul that you'll get with Bieber, obviously, but he's got a little bit more value now because you stayed persistent. I think here's what I'll say. I'll end this with, with this comment. I think that the, the plan is Tyler Freeman's taking well to the majors. He's playing good baseball. I think he's your everyday shortstop once you can somehow get Ahmed Rosario out of the picture. I don't think that's going to happen until you get closer to the trade deadline. But I think that their persistence in batting him second is paying off where now you're like, okay, he is finally getting hot like he did last year. And if we can flip it for something, that opens up the spot that we need for Freeman. But he's on a one year deal. Like he's he's not guaranteed to be back here next year at all. And I think they see the writing on the wall. I'll put it that way. Let's hope. Because Freeman's been great and he deserves more reps. Two on ninety two. We'll leave that conversation there, but I will come back to the Guardians because I was told that. This team was sworn off for life after the name change. And the attendance numbers tell us otherwise. That'll be coming up later in the show. Before we get to Greg Swartz here at the top of the hour here at 8 o'clock, though. Did Donovan Mitchell do anything over the weekend to uh, mend fences with the fan base? Given a lot of the chatter around him and his link to to the Knicks in New York and all these different things. By being present in an event at Cleveland at Greg Newsome's softball game. We talked about it uh, with Hayden Grove yesterday. And I do think there's something to be said for him showing up to that. Because, listen, as much as we can get lost in the social media fodder around Donovan Mitchell, especially when it just constantly seems like he's talking about New York and he's got these... Heart emoji eyes for New York, and you know everyone and their mothers linking him to the Knicks at some point. Jason Lloyd's coming on the station saying everything I've heard is that he wants to go to the, he wants to play for the Knicks, his hometown team at some point. When it's all that, and that's all you hear, I get why it's easy to get lost in the lost in translation and start to like hate the guy. Now it's unwarranted, and like we talked about with Hayden yesterday, I think Cleveland has this inferiority complex where the second a player mentions like another team or their hometown team or whatever, or shows any kind of connection with another team, we just instantly want to throw that guy out. We want to kick him to the curb. Like, bye. Get out of here. So, I think that's part of this, but I do think him showing up to an event in Cleveland with other Cleveland athletes on top of guys, everything he said since he got here has been the right thing to say. And maybe he's playing us and he's just very well coached in the word in the, in the, in the, in the uh, world of what to say PR from the team standpoint, but he said all the right things and he's talked about how much he does like it here and how he likes his teammates and, I do think the video or the conversation, the, the, the talk about him finding out he was going to Cleveland and he's running around a golf course because he was excited, that felt genuine. Like, it's not like the guy has cursed Cleveland and said, get me the hell out of here. Which is why I kind of warn against just rallying the fan base to hate on the guy and say, get the, get him out of here, trade him tomorrow, because that's sometimes how these things can spiral soon as you don't want the guy then he starts to then they start to open up their their eyes and their minds to possibilities of playing elsewhere don't give him a reason to not want to be here is my point because I think most of us feel that he should be retained long term if he's willing you don't want to give him a reason not to even consider it and so I do believe that seeing him show up to an event here in Cleveland with Cleveland athletes in Greg Newsom's charity softball game. Hopefully goes a long way in showing people that he doesn't hate it here, guys. And he's not just on to the Knicks tomorrow. He He's he's committed for now. And we'll see what the future brings. 216-474-092. Did Donovan Mitchell's presence this weekend at Greg Newsom's charity softball game make you feel a little bit better about his relationship with... You guys as fans, but also the city of Cleveland. You can hit me up on Twitter as well, at Spencito underscore. When we get back, Greg Swartz of Bleacher Report will join the show. We got plenty of cast questions for him. We got some NBA at-large questions as well because the offseason gets rolling later. That, oh, that's hard to believe. It's already July. Jesus. Brown season is just around the corner, folks. Unreal. That's the thing about working in sports, and especially sports radio, your summer feels so short because it's like end of May, June, and then all of a sudden it's July, and you're like, dude, I got like 26, less than that, 22 days once July hits until training camp opens. You're just like, my goodness. Anyway, Greg Sports joins us next. Looking forward to talking to him about Cavs, NBA, and much, much more. Keep it locked. Spencer German with you here on The Fan.